particularly around stereotypes. Yep. Um, we are traveling through a pretty heavy, heavily stereotyped part of America. Sure. From Oklahoma to California, you know, the American South, the Dust Bowl yep. um, region, the Bible Belt. Uh, these are parts of America that are heavily red states. Yeah. And, you know, through so many of the screenings that we've done in America in the more affluent states and the blue states, they, you know, we meet people in the foyer afterwards that had said to us, you know, before I watched this film, I had written off those parts of my own country. Wow. I've just forgotten about them and given up on them. And this film shows that there's true kindness and like-mindedness and generosity in these places that I just didn't think existed. Hi everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Humans with Luke McCredden. I'm Luke McCredden. That voice you're hearing there was Cameron Ford. Cam is a director, producer, very talented, creative mind when it comes to film. His most recent documentary film and series that he's created is called Bikes of Wrath. We do spend a fair bit of time in this chat talking about the Bikes of Wrath, the reason being it is an amazing film, an amazing series. We also delve into the creation process and what's involved in doing something like this. Very interesting chat, had a lot of fun talking with Cam and I really hope you guys enjoy it. So check it out, episode five, Cameron Ford. So thanks for the beer, by the way. Oh, my pleasure. It's good. I mean, and you're right next to Dan Murphy, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, no plug intended. Perfect. Um, and thank you for coming in. It's good to meet you. Yeah, you too, man. It's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having I me. Feel like I, I feel like you've been in my bedroom for quite a while. So well, that'll make computer oh, screen. Okay, okay, right. <laughs> um, welcome, unwelcome. Man, it's... Uh, it's be- oh, welcome. Totally welcome. Okay, great. I, I, I said to... Um, I said to a friend of mine the other day, we were talking about Bikes of Wrath, and mm. I said, my, my, my wife hates it because I, I'm the worst binge watcher. She will knock over a series in a night if she mm. could, and I'm like one episode, I'm, I'm asleep. Bikes of Wrath, <laughs> I watched the series, yeah. the six, so they're what, 50-minute yeah, episodes? About, yeah, about 50, yeah. Did it in two nights, wow. and she was like, this must be good. <laughs> so, so now she's on That's to it. That's great, so, and you're actually one of the first people to see the series in Australia. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, so um, that's that's great feedback. Man, because, I just, yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I, you know, I, putting it out there to people listening, we're going to talk a bit about Bikes of Wrath, so if mm. you haven't seen it and you're tuning in now, firstly, just check it out, <laughs> which, however you can, but then maybe you can come back and listen again because I do want to talk about it a bit. Because Yeah, we can pull it apart. Um. But yeah, um, awesome idea. I guess give us a rundown for mm. anyone who's just sort of hearing about it. What what is it? What what, what did you do? The bikes of what the hell is yeah, the bikes I of mean, wrath? Yeah, I mean, it's a very <laughs> it's 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 seemingly convoluted, but at the same time, once you sort of get your head around it, it, it makes a little bit more sense. But essentially, um, myself and four friends, five of us in total, decided back in two thousand and fifteen to ride our bicycles from Oklahoma to California in uh, honour of the Dust Bowl migration route undertaken by um, uh, the, the Jode family in John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath. And um, it was a, an opportunity to sort of look at the modern-day parallels that exist in the book from when it was written back in 1939 right through to America today. And the uh, idea was sort of born from Charlie and Leon, who you obviously met in the series. Mm. Um, it, was, it, it was They picked up 
uh, the Grace of Wrath, and like this is this is an incredible read, and and sort of went on record saying this is their collective favorite book of all time. Um, and then I got involved in the trip as a filmmaker and as a sort of budding adventurer, but probably someone that hadn't done the volume of stuff that Charlie had done, and and Leon's done a whole bunch of stuff as well, mm. and. Um, and the goal was just sort of like, well, if we're going to do this trip, let's let's actually film it because the original concept was, well, let's go from A to B on bikes and just kind of retrace the route. Um, and I guess we all saw a, an opportunity to expand on that concept and was like, well, what if we bring cameras along and what if – there's a few more parameters around the trip. So yeah. as, you, as you saw in the series, uh, the Joad family left with $16 back in 1939. So we inflated that – to 2015 and we ended up with 420 us dollars for 30 days to go 2600 kilometers which seems pretty accurate like it seemed like that yeah. was that would that, that would have been pretty accurate yeah in the and transition. uh it's it's uh, you know it's it's the middle of summer none of us have trained for this particular <laughs> which adventure. i love by the way yeah i mean the naivety <laughs> it, it ring rings loud and clear throughout throughout this series for sure but it is yeah it's 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 one of those things where you kind of naively think that you can just get on a bike and ride and and um and and once you do a day or two, you're like, holy hell, this is actually <laughs> infinitely more difficult than what we thought it was going to be. But um, not to give too much away, mm. but at the same time, I mean, we could we could we could talk about it in either way. It's sort of like yeah. here's some spoilers here here you know if you want to chat like that. But ultimately, it's um it's it's a it's a film that sort of shows a lot of great hope and generosity. Mm. I think in, in the sort of forgotten parts of America. Yeah, and these are the people that voted Trump in yeah, um, yeah. from the, the, the reddest states in America. I, I, what I found interesting about the series, about the movie and the series, mm. the, there's so many layers to it for mm. me and you can look at it from so many different angles and I, and I sat back and tried to look at it from a different, um, I suppose, a few different angles and one was, there was there's, an, there's a real element of, of fun of a bunch of mates doing having an adventure. There's an element of uh, a bunch of guys really passionate about a, um, a, a book and, yeah. they're, and they're following the footsteps. Yeah. But there's a real element, which I loved personally, which was showcasing humans mm-hmm. being human yeah. and, and being great. It was, it was refreshing to watch a documentary yeah. w- with, without hate yeah. and, and negativity and because that tends to sell these days and I, th- I feel like that's what a lot of documentaries are. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. I, I do think that it's it's one of those things where on a journey like that, you've got your goal, you've got your A to B, this is what we plan to do. Yep. But you have absolutely no idea who you're going to meet yeah. on the road. And so it could have gone another way, mm. I, I dare say. But it is um, strength of hum- humanity. Ultimately, mm. uh, what sort of shines through is that when, when people are down and out, us, these cyclists, these unprepared cyclists traveling through small towns in America, people are there to help you out. Um, and and they're willing to just sort of jump in and do whatever they can, and they come out of the woodwork. That's that's the strange yeah. and wonderful thing about a, an adventure like that is that these people that you haven't met one minute are, are sort of right there by your side, saying, "What can I do to help you?" Mm. Um, partly because they want to be involved in in what you're doing and this sort of interesting and and somewhat epic adventure, and then on a, a totally other hand, it's just like it's the right thing to do, and it, it, it seems natural. Even, yeah, it's totally natural. Yeah. They, they don't question it. It's not even a thought process. It's like, what can we do to help you? Um, it's probably the element yeah. of them sort of going, "What? What? Are you, why are you do? I'm yeah, interested yeah. because it's just bizarre." <laughs> well, it was sort of a three stage <laughs> process. They'd see us coming over the hill yeah. with you know our solar panels, yeah. and we hadn't 
showered for 10 days and <laughs> smell and, you and, coming. Yeah, they could smell us, <laughs> smell us over the hill. And then they'd take one look at us and they're like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, and then you'd sort of explain very briefly. But by that stage, they were all in on it because yeah. it's, you know, we've got stories from behind us, you know, in, in the towns that we've already passed through. And then we've got this adventure of where we're going. And we're here right now to chat with you guys but yeah. it was all ridiculously organic but this is the that, thing and and, the and, and and credit to you hats off to you man for putting this together because it didn't feel like watching it it didn't feel like you you, you were piecing it together, like mm. you were staging it it Nothing, genuinely yeah. felt like oh, from yeah. watching it and I, you know I, i've never i've never met any of you guys so i'm yeah. not saying this yeah. because you're my mates yeah it genuinely felt like you captured the organic sort of nature of these people well, I, I'd like to think so, and yeah, it's it's nice to hear that. I, I'm, you know, when you go into an adventure like this and you don't plan a single thing, like we did not know where we were going to be sleeping on night one. We did not know. That's you know, evident too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll meet, you know, you'll meet these characters, uh, Chip and Jackson, who take us down by the river on their property, and they and they, you know, cook up a meal for us and. There's, there's a little bit of, um, I guess, concern amongst some members of the group yeah. at that stage. It's night one. We've done eight miles. <laughs> we've, we've been invited down to the back of some guy's property in the middle of nowhere <laughs> to hang out and, and, you know, have a cook-up, as they call and, it. And they seemed interesting sort of characters. Yeah, and, like. and, you know, it's, it's like at that moment you make a decision as a group. Are, are we just saying yes to everything that happens or are we going to kind of walk through this adventure mindful and scared and, and, you know, always thinking the worst of people? And so that's a real really important turning point in the series and the film is this moment down at Chips Creek, as yeah. we called it, where we meet these people who turn out to be extraordinary, generous people with with a, a slightly interesting exterior mm. yeah. <laughs> and demeanour. Yeah. But if you I just, can understand yeah, that there was some concern among trepidation among yeah, yeah for sure and and you know like especially you, night one and, and yeah and hearts are pounding it's night one you've done no miles on the road and, <laughs> and all of a sudden this is happening but yeah i think to speak to that it, it, it is a 100% unplanned adventure you have no idea who you're going to meet where you're going to end up each night mm. and you know that's proof not that we have really needed to prove it but that's yeah. proof that none of this is staged or, or planned and, no. and the things that happen internally amongst the group obviously with yep. some trip threatening injuries yep. and all those sorts of things it, it's you know it's it's just what happened and yeah. the best thing that you can do as a filmmaker and as a storyteller is to capture everything that happens yeah um and then in the edit room, work out what actually belongs mm. and, and what, you know, is interesting but not as interesting as the other stuff. And if there was a lot of negativity or a lot of hate or a lot of racism along that journey, it's not that we would have cut it out. We just didn't see it. We didn't experience yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's, yeah. I think there's some, not not like backlash over the film, but some people are like it's a little bit too nice at times. And it's like, well, it still does show you know, the problems that exist in America yeah. quite loudly and quite clearly. But I would also say that, you know, if, if you're on the road for 30 days and these are the encounters that you're having, mm. there is some truth to that. And it was yeah. certainly our truth. Like, yeah. For us as, as, as these sort of non-cyclist cyclists, mm. this is these are the people that we meet yeah. and this is what happened to us. And it's just a very honest yeah. portrayal of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, and like I said, I, I, um, I certainly... Um, I certainly found it honest. I certainly felt like, um, again, with the series, mm. right throughout it was with you guys through the chat. Yeah, I, I, you re genuinely got that feeling. I think uh, the, uh, just before I forget to mention it, but the money side of it. Uh, yeah, uh, originally it was sort of like, well, you know, let's 
not that you're ever trying to uh, replicate because what the Joad family or the fictitious Joad family, yep. or what the Dust Bowl migrants went through was yep. so much more difficult and arduous and, and just life-threatening than, yeah. than what we were putting ourselves um, in front of. But at the same time, it's like if you're swiping credit cards along Route 66 every night and, you know, taking out a room in three, four-star hotels yeah. and drinking beers that – you know, um, it's kind of handed to you and everything about what you're doing is is tough by day but lush by night. Yeah. What you end up with well, is closed-door experiences and, and those yeah. those doors open to you when you are putting yourself at ground level. Well, you can't fully replicate no. that, that experience from then, you know, not. back then. Yeah. So I think what you did was probably as close to it. You know, I mean, it was a retrace, like we call it a retracing, not yep. a, not a yep. replication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think that's imp- an important important distinction yeah. that exists. Um, the, I, there's so much of it that you know, I, I, we could pick apart and talk about for hours, and and I'm not afraid. I'm just putting it out there too to listeners. I'm not afraid if there is a spoiler or something. <laughs> too bad because <laughs> I've got you here. I want to talk to you a, bit, a lot about it, but um, I found uh, I found some of it quite. And again, it's credit to you. Sort of quite moving, and 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 what what was I think a masterpiece? And I'm not a film buff or a mm. expert in this, mm. but the monologues that you had the locals doing that were sort of almost transitioning between scenes, mm-hmm. it was fucking brilliant. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. That that was really really cool. So there's sort of two sections that break up just the adventure from being an adventure, and uh, one 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 of those sections is is book readings from yeah. the Grapes of Wrath. So John Steinbeck's words put in the hands of everyday Americans that we meet along the journey, uh, and then we sort of found paragraphs that represented this moment within the trip, and we actually flew back to America two years later to get them to read right. those sections. Well, I mean the book's four hundred and seventy pages long. Yeah, yeah. And we filmed 160 hours of footage on the road. Wow. You have no idea what you're going to use until one year back in the edit room. You're kind of getting a shape to the yeah. piece. And we knew we wanted to use some, you know, some paragraphs. But as to who was going to read them and what those paragraphs would be, that, that was, that was a, a, a trip back to the States because Brilliant. we didn't really know exactly sure. what was required until we had a shape to it. And then we're like, oh, okay, we'll get this character to read this paragraph, yeah. this section within the series. What was it like going back? It was great, man. It was actually the, really, really good. I mean, we we did it in a car this time. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but the people, the the uh, getting back together with those people it was just Charlie and myself. Yeah, um, and so we went. Back. Oh, I mean the locals. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it was strange. I mean, uh, th- there was a whole bunch of people that we were expecting to see again, and some that were very rooted in their community and their towns. Where we were like, oh, they'll be here for life, and they'd said as much to us, yeah. and we were expecting that we could just roll into that town and find them again. Yeah. And there were a handful of people that had just gone wow. okay. without without a trace and we could not track them down. Wow. Um, some people that, um, I mean, be it film or series, you'll meet, um, uh, I've forgotten their names, but they run the barbecue shack and it te- might be testing your memory as well, but he's just had a heart transplant. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, heart, yeah. sorry, he's had a high heart bypass surgery. Yeah. And he's been out of hospital for two, three days. Yeah. And um, we roll into this barbecue shack and he and his wife gift us $100 yeah. and wish us well on our way and give us a free meal. Amazing. And it's it's a beautiful scene of a guy who's barely standing, yeah. who has very little to give, as they say in the book, those that have the least give the most. Mm. And here's this incredible act of generosity from someone that's just 
lucky to be standing. And we went back thinking two years later they will be there because it was a thriving business and, yep. and, you know, and they were nowhere to be seen. And Really? We, we did a lap around the entire strip mall, as they call yep. it, chatting to every single shop owner. And we're like, where are, where are these yeah. wonderful people? <laughs> and no one knew? And no one knew where really? they'd gone, but we just knew that they'd left. So it was, okay. it was a really sad moment when we didn't get to reconnect yeah. with them. Um, the Hanning family, we were lucky enough to go back and see again. Um, Buckskin Dan is a, an elusive character. I don't know well how, how well you remember him from the. He's the is guy he, that we, we sleep in a Patriot in, wagon. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say. I think like night 25, he's 26. He's the one who had the gun and the, the whip. Yeah, and exactly. The <laughs> yeah. And so. Uh, <laughs> what an amazing character. <laughs> what for a guy. A, for a, you know, that's, that's cool. Yeah. The family early on in the piece, is that who you were just mentioned? Yeah, so the Hanning family. Yeah. We meet them on day six. Yes. And then, as you know, they return. To yep. find us, uh, pretty much days before the end of our trip. Yeah, um, and that's that's an extraordinary moment in which we they were traveling or something. Excuse me. Yeah, they were on yeah. a family holiday. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we thought the last we'd see of them, obviously, was mm. the day we met them. And and they're like, oh, well, we're we're heading here, 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 and here. We're like, great, have an amazing family holiday. <laughs> and twenty something days later, they find us six, five states over. Yeah, in the grab in the, in the back of a gravel pit. At and, no, and one a.m. truck stop. Sorry, in the back of a truck stop, in a gravel pit yeah, at one a.m. And probably all a bit worse for wear from memory. Oh, the yeah. time you were asked to move because yeah. you're sleeping yeah. in a parking lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm. You know, um, that that quote you just said. I, I'd actually written this quote down because mm. I, I, it was just a beautiful. The people with the least give the most. Mm-hmm. This is so evident through the whole production, uh, and I love it as a quote in general. Mm. Oklahoma was where you spent the first, obviously the first part. Pretty poor areas you went through. Yeah, Oklahoma. Um, it it is a poor state, and and yeah. where we start, Salisaw, which is a, a county or a town and a county within um, within Oklahoma. As Myra, who we meet in the in the yep. series, points out that it's a welfare state, and so you know the the main portion of people that are living there are on welfare, and it's it's a it's a really difficult place to exist and um there is such generosity in oklahoma it was that that was again watching that was where the majority of the the generosity came from i would say so yeah i mean not to discredit any other states that we travel through but most certainly we felt this this energy in oklahoma and then we traveled through texas and we felt the exact same thing um and then where were we are, New Mexico was next, which yeah. was a really interesting and fascinating state and still a lot of exceptionally generous and friendly people. Um, and then it, not to ever say that it tailed off, but I guess the nature of the trip changed and um, the tide of the book became, I guess, a little bit thinner because, you know, the Dust Bowl kind of epicentre was Oklahoma, Texas, mm. Kansas. And so when you'd sort of mentioned to people what you were doing and and I guess the impetus for the trip was this book and retracing the book. Everyone had some sort of connection to the the, the dust bowl migration. Yeah, you know, through yeah. family, through extended family, through in laws, um, and then as you pushed further, you know, sort of mid New Mexico onwards, it's a book that people knew about. Uh, the dust bowl was something that they were obviously aware of in their history, but they weren't as emotionally or, you know, I guess historically tied to it yeah. through their families yep. um, as, as what the people were back in Oklahoma. And yeah, Texas. and I suppose a lot of the, um, is that Oklahomans? Is that what you, I think? Well, I mean, the derogatory term, but with some love is an Okie. 
Yeah, um, Oklahomans. Uh, what? It's not really a derogatory term. I mean, it, it's yeah. It, back in those days yeah. when when they were traveling from east to west, it was the Okies making the That's migration. Right. What I was going to say yeah. was those uh, a lot of those people were only what one or two generations out, and in some cases, only one generation out of people that went through some yeah, of that. So, absolutely. so that's probably where that direct link to that, and and therefore more understanding, perhaps. Oh, I, I would say so. And then you meet people like H. B. Krug in Texas. Um, we meet him in the Texas Panhandle and he hasn't travelled more than 25 miles in any direction from yeah. where he grew up in and where we meet him um, in his entire life. And he's like an 86, 87-year-old wow. guy who's still farming today. So yeah. he was very much sort of, you know, hang on, was he there, was he not? What's your maths like? He's 86 and the Dust Bowl was 1939. Uh, I think he would have been very young, but he was young, present. <laughs> yeah, young. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think he might. I think if it's the one I'm thinking of, might have mentioned that he was a young fella yeah, back okay. in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at what point making uh, embarking on a mm. on a an adventure, but a project like this, does the filmmaking and the reality of what you're doing separate a little bit? And you sort of have to. Did you, were there times where you do? And when you're doing this sort of thing, do you sit back and go? We're, all we're doing at the moment is filmmaking. We need to get back into what we came here for or vice versa? Yeah, it's a, that's an amazing question and I think a uh, few people sort of break it down like that. So it's, 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 it's one that we've kind of spoken about a lot, Charlie and myself as the co-directors, co-producers of this film. Um, but there's, there's particular ingredients that you need so that it can flow and I think the most important thing was that we had a, de- a dedicated cinematographer on the trip in yep. Redwan Chowki, who yep. you meet. He's a character in the film, he's a character in the series, but he's not on screen as much, obviously, as the rest of us because he is there primarily to ride ahead, set up a frame. Yep. We were sort of directing from the bike saying, make sure you get a shot of this, make sure you get a shot of that. But his bike weighed a lot less than what ours did. We were carrying the majority of the groups here as, as a four. Towards you a little bit. Sorry, mate. And then his... His bike had uh, the A camera on the back of it in a Pelican case. And he'd zip ahead and he would, you know, he, he grabbed the shots. Um, and he was also probably the only cyclist amongst <laughs> us. And so he had that fitness. Yeah. But um, th- the way that that really impacts on the ability to just live the experiences yeah. is that we were living them and someone else was experiencing them through a lens. Yep. And capturing those for us to deal with at a later point in the edit room, mm. which means that it can be very organic and very real, yeah. and we're not pausing all the time to do a reshot. Like nothing was really reshot. Yeah. Um, occasionally, I, you know, if it was a really beautiful vista and we buttoned on too late, and he's like, "Oh, I missed it. Go back." You know, occasionally, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. sure, sure yeah. But in terms of all of those interactions with every single character yeah. that you meet, that like the moment you see us meeting them on screen for the first time is the first time we met them, and, yeah. and so. There was no real... I mean, probably the most difficult part was when you as a filmmaker know that you need something, but everyone's too fucking exhausted mm. to do it. Yeah. And and that became more and more evident in the in the latter stages of the of the process and the trip and the film and every everything was we had this rule where at the end of each state that we would cross, that night, wherever we landed, we would do the interviews amongst ourselves. Yep, so you, okay. you you notice those throughout the yep. series and the feature. Yep. He, here's this moment where 
It's the only time the camera's on a tripod and we're asking each other questions about characters that we met or experiences that we've had. And the reason that was so important to do that night was otherwise the memories are gone because next thing you know, you're you're four days down the road and and you can't quite recall what happened because it's all kind of bleeding into one thing. Um, But we were so exhausted when we travelled through, I think it was the Mojave Desert, as you would expect, yeah. it was forty-seven degrees Celsius, <laughs> and we, we, I don't know, somewhere around that point, it was time. It was time to sit down and do the group interviews. Yep. And everyone's like, "Oh, we'll just do it later." And that was, you know, one of those difficult conversations. Like, no, we have, we have to do them now for the good of the film. Right. So that's Every, where that crossover starts. That's where starts. it crosses yeah. a little bit because it's like, oh, we'll just do it later because we're fucking exhausted. Yeah. And I just want to eat and I want to go to bed. <laughs> and we've got to be up at four in the morning. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but if we don't do it now, it will fade. Yeah. And I think a few times we let it slip a few days past. Yep. And then I remember a few of them saying actually really difficult to remember yeah. what yeah. happened a few days oh, ago no doubt. so we yeah i mean those were those were the sort of things where it intersected a little bit um but all in all it, it was one beautiful organism because the solar panels on the back of our bikes are charging the cameras that we're carrying yeah and if anyone saw a shot that they liked they'd pull out the b camera and shoot awesome. it otherwise red would roll ahead and get yep. the a stuff um i took charge predominantly with the interviews of you know the rest of the the, the the members of the ride, um, and it just sort of flowed on. Yeah, yeah. as the as a director producer, mm. um, it, given that you're out for a month, you don't have time to go back to the studio and have a bit of a look at it and make sure. No. Did it? Were there points throughout this where you thought, "Is this any fucking good? I don't even oh, know." Yeah, the 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 doubt is is heavy. Really, weighs heavy. Of course, yeah. I mean. I think we knew enough great stuff and fascinating stuff and, like, what are the chances of that kind of stuff? That was all happening to us. But yeah. had we captured it? Yeah. Had we got it? Did we button on at the right time? Did we miss this introduction? Did we miss the farewell? Yeah. You know, particularly when there's four guys having an experience and yep. it's one guy's sole responsibility to capture yep. that interaction, you know, you might run out of a card or, you know, the, the microphone runs out of juice. <laughs> and so there were definitely moments where that fear really sort of took over and we're like, not enough stuff is happening, not enough yeah. stuff um, is being captured correctly. But uh, I guess we did a little bit of pre-filming in Australia where we just sort of tested the waters with how to approach a scene. Okay, And, and by that I mean, you know, get... You know, for filmmakers out there and anyone interested in it, like, make sure you capture that interaction first and foremost. That's the spine of any scene, and then be listening to what that scene is about. You know, if you're meeting a local and they're talking about X, Y, Z, it's probably around you. Like, if they're referencing this or referencing that, make sure to go back the moment that that conversation is over with. Mm. Make sure to get that cutaway, get yep. that B-roll, get all the stuff that you can use to make that scene richer. You know, if it's family photos on the wall, if it's yeah. if it's um, yeah. you know a hill in the background that is is tied to some you know lineage within the family, or you yeah. know, like if it's being referred to, or if it's part of this person's you know home and background and uh, part of their personality, like mm. capture as much of that stuff as you can, because in the edit room, it's gold. Like you need it, yeah. you need it to bridge that world together. When and and it, this this documentary has won shitload of awards so well done 
Thank you. <laughs> the, when you finally got back to, yeah. I'm assuming you waited till you got back to Australia to start looking at it and breaking it apart and yeah, working on it. Yeah, yeah. Was, was there a moment when you went, oh, this is good, we fucking nailed it? We, because you did what you intended to do first and foremost, yep. right? Yeah. But then the documentary side of things, was there a point where you went, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, and for six months uh, I was, no. No. Like oh, really? I, well, as in just like you don't know what it wants to be because yeah. 160 hours of raw footage, yeah. like what is that? What is it? How does it move? What's the tone? Yeah. And, you know, sure, you're not manipulating tone, but you are choosing moments and you are stringing that together with music mm. and you are, of course, selective in, in what you choose and in what order to put it. And and as we spoke about before, one of the most important things that we did was go back and get additional footage yeah. to tie particular things together. Yep, absolutely. And that's not diston- dishonest filmmaking. It was no. just like we don't have the book readings yet and we knew we wanted them. Yep. We don't have um, this person's opinion on this part of America right now the way we would like. So let's go back and ask them that question. And not again, just ask them that question for the first time because, you know, you're on the road, you don't always get everything. You yeah. don't always ask the right questions or sometimes sleep is the priority. So you just you just choose that. And then you look back and go, fuck, we should have, <laughs> we should have asked that person a few more questions. Yeah. Um, the the, the six-part series, mm, mm. was that always intended? Or was it the fact it's that funny, you had well, 160? A I mean, I guess it speaks to thinking about what you're making as you're making it. But I do vividly recall about day nine or ten just riding on the bike and and being in my own head and thinking so much stuff has happened to us and it's 10 days in. Yeah. <laughs> if it continues, this could also be a six-part series. Right. Okay. As well as a feature film. Yeah. And you know, like you never want to dictate what your shooting could or should be. Mm. The film usually tells you what it wants to be. Like some people have gone out to make uh, you know, a feature length. Mm. But at the end of the day, the material's not quite there or the story doesn't warrant being 90 minutes long. So what ends up happening is here's a, a lovely little 25-minute doc mm. that should be 25 minutes because the story will dictate the length, I think. Do you feel like people force Sometimes. an extra 30 minutes yeah, on just for the yeah. sake of Yeah, I mean, it? there's well, television has restrictions around a 55, you know, well, like a 50-minute episode of something or a 50 minute feature is a television hour yep and then for series length things netflix not so much these days because you know you'll watch um like the oa is a really interesting show in that respect because one episode is 42 minutes one is an hour and five one is 26 like they don't really care yeah but when you're trying to allot into a television slot yep you know the series is a case in point. Like we had it pretty much cut and then our distributor over in the UK, they're like each episode has to be within 30 seconds length of the one before. Wow. So all of a sudden you're putting back two <laughs> minutes of content that you had already cut yeah. because you've got to get that one up to time. Is that for television? Is that it's, why? It's, so yeah, as a broadcaster, um, you are, if you're, if you're filling a six part, series across a six-week slot mm. on your network, you know, it needs to be consistent yeah, so sure. that I can program it yeah. correctly. So all of a sudden, it's got to be 51 and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And from an editing perspective, it's like, oh, okay, I already cut that scene <laughs> three months ago, but <laughs> we're running a little thin here and we need an yeah. extra minute. So, you know, but actually... A few scenes that were on the cutting room floor very early on and then I went back because I needed to find a few extra beats... I went and watched them. I was like, I don't know why I cut that. That's really hilarious. Yeah, it was probably more of the humorous stuff that maybe. uh, And I was I was blessed to find those bits and um, put them back in. With it, with that, one thing I think um, 
I really liked about it. And and I'm I'm all for stupid humor. Love mm, it. Mm. Um, and especially in documentary style things where it's mates just really. There wasn't. It was a perfect amount. Like there, it, none of it seemed fabricated. And we've spoken mm, about mm. that already. But it wasn't like you were. Uh, hey guys, let's do this. It'll be funny. No. Do you know no. what I mean? No, so totally. There was some stuff that that really made me laugh. There was some stuff um, that was, but but when I looked at it back, I went that that was kind of dumb, and I can tell they are so fucking exhausted, and that's yeah, why it's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so, totally, yeah. so there was no <laughs> doubt from watching it that, that you got you hadn't gone. Hey, go do that again. It was no. funny. We'll film it. Yeah. So again, yeah, yeah. No, I mean nothing's nothing's redone in that respect. But I think it's probably important to credit. Um, just, just the chemistry amongst yeah. the guys, and you know, like this was never cast. You know, yeah. most things are cast, particularly in drama or narrative. It's, yep. it's cast. You, so you choose just, you, the right person. Well, this just kind of organically came together. Like yeah. Leon and Charlie had read the book, wanted to do this trip. Yep. I'm good friends with both of them. I got involved and said, "Let's film it." Um, Ollie is really, really good friends with Charlie, and they grew up together. And he'd always wanted to travel through America and hadn't had the opportunity. Um, and takes amazing, you know, film stills. Mm. And mm. so that's a beautiful tone and texture, I think, that that adds throughout the series and the film. And then Red, just through friends of fr- friends in Melbourne. You needed someone who We could needed ride. a cinematographer <laughs> that could ride. Yeah. And I remember very clearly the day I met him, he knew about it and he was just looking at me. He's, he was quite enthusiastic. And then about nine months later, I called him. And we met up for a beer, and within thirty seconds, he's like, "I'm in." Awesome. He knew what the call was about. He knew he'd been waiting for that call for nine months, Brilliant. and there it was. And so, yeah, I guess the casting is not the right word, but the the, the, the collection, the of, coming together yeah. of these five people, um, hopefully, you know, speak to that authenticity yeah. of of just on the road and the humor and 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 you know the highs and the lows. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up about it, um, and again, one of my. Uh, one of my favourite things about the whole thing, and it's a two-part question, but mm. one of the things, one of my favourite things about Bikes of Wrath was the music throughout. Oh, man. Fucking brilliant. Mine too. Yeah. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah. So I guess my question is, as a filmmaker, yeah, he, where does that sit in importance? Because for me as a viewer, and I'm a music fan and I'm mm. a musician mm. and all that as well, so it appeals to me even more, but where does that sit in priorities for someone like you who are putting things like this together? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a great question because as we were speaking to before, like the, the, that phase where I was looking through footage and going, I don't know how to do this. Mm. You know, I've been making films for 20 years and um, I've never made a documentary before. It's all narrative or comedy or yep. um, shorts. And so all of a sudden I'm staring at this footage of, you know, four guys and myself on this adventure that I'd lived and all of a sudden here, here I am in the edit room with all this stuff. It's like, what is this? What is this? Like, what do I do with this? And then eventually it started to click. And one of the first things that pushed it into another area was being, being confident enough and free, freeing enough to bring a piece of music in and cut a montage to that Mm. and, and let that piece of music, do the work and the images do the work and yep. not needing to talk all the time or just have people talking on screen all the time. Uh, and, and so all of a sudden it was like, oh, music, yes, of course, music. And, um, you know, it's difficult to get 
well-known stuff for not a lot of money and at this stage we had no money and it was all it's this entire thing you know up until recently was self-funded um and so the natural progression was to sort of seek out local independent artists who were writing great stuff but no one had heard it before because then you've so is got this what most of the music is that we're hearing it's all i think 85 percent of the people are australian artists that you with n- absolutely no disrespect would not have heard of yeah. before and then there are a handful um so israel nash is you know do you know israel nash no okay so he's he's an amazing artist he's released about six or seven records okay. he's based in um the the high country in texas right um i just happened to stumble across a song of his that i absolutely right. loved and yeah. it became the title track yeah but he was like it's israel nash and i was like what are the chances of getting this and i wrote to his manager and his manager, just, he was great. He was just like, look, let's work out an art for art's sake deal. Yep. Said, what do you mean? He said, if you come back to the States and shoot a clip for Israel, we'll call it even. Really? <laughs> so not only did I get to meet and hang out and shoot yeah. a clip for Israel Nash, but it was in exchange for the use of his song wow. in our series and our, and our feature. That's a win-win, right? Yeah, it was a win-win. <laughs> At that time, I was super busy and I was like, oh my God, how oh. am I, I going to fit this in? Yeah. But it was an amazing experience and he's, he's just a fucking great guy. And... And so that that's an example of someone who is with Sony BMG. Um, you know, I deliberately went to the record label trying to convince them of this is an independent, self-made thing. Yeah. And they just slapped a wad of dollars on top of it. They're like, if you want this song for this amount of seconds, it's going to cost yeah, you this. Okay. And I was like, well, I'll just go to the manager and see what we can do. And it totally flipped. Yeah. And that was wonderful. Um, and then all the other artists uh, that... that because I, I like to cut to a piece of music and then I fall in love with that piece of music for that scene. Yeah. And I do not want to change it. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the strength in that is that you can actually send that scene to the artist and say, this is, this is what I'm hoping for yeah. with your approval. And to everyone's credit, when we signed all these pieces of music to the series and the film, there was no money. So we, we signed a contract with every artist saying, yeah. if there's ever a drip feed of money at a later point, you will get this much. But every single artist agreed to that. And then very recently we were actually able to pay them, which was an amazing feeling. Because the music is just so perfect. It is. It is. For the visual. Yeah. It just matches up perfectly. Thank you. Yeah. That that for me was a really big – and I'm sure, uh, and I'll never probably really know, but I'm sure Mm. uh, subconsciously that's part of the reason I really like Bikes of Wrath. I hope so. I mean, the music without it. Um, look, I mean that every, everything. Yeah, but it's not just without yeah. it. You could have got the wrong. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like you see a lot. Of, you see some things, and you, you hear, and you go, oh, "Yeah, whatever." But that just screamed out. This, yeah. this is this was just made for each other. Yeah, I mean, I we we worked really, really, really hard in the edit room to just get material in and sift through it, and then in the edit room, I was like, "This works with this," or "I'm going to try this here," and yeah. It didn't slip through if it was a maybe. It was yeah. like this fits. And a big shout out to um, David Bramble, who is this incredible Melbourne bedroom artist. We use 14 of his songs. Really? And just by chance, I was struggling for more material a handful of years ago and I'm good friends with his brother and we were chatting over a beer and he's like, Dave. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Dave. He, he did an entire road trip across America and wrote songs about it. Two years ago, he's like, he's just got an arsenal of songs yeah. sitting in his back pocket. 
And I said to Dave, just send me everything you have if you're willing. And he said, yeah, but they're just demos or there's yeah. stuff that I've slapped together. And so many of them, he's like, oh, maybe I should re-record them. I was like, no, no, no. As they are is the way they should be. And that's they're how we raw- heard it? Yeah, so Perfect. everything you hear in the series is pretty much recorded in Dave's bedroom at some point or another. Perfect. Um, kind of first demo stuff. Yeah. And it's just... Perfect. It's raw and it, and it fits and it it's is. not too polished and it speaks to the film because the film's not particularly polished either. That's what I was just <laughs> thinking. Having it raw, having it mm. a little bit unpolished, not that you necessarily can hear any non-polishedness. No, of, I mean... Non-polishedness? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with that. Unpolished. But, but it just, I think that's why... <laughs> because you guys were unpolished. We're unpolished. But that's why it works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, and another shout-out to our post-production sound team because... It may not sound polished, but the raw audio that we gave them out of the cameras to what oh, okay, they yeah. actually did and, the, and the, the sheer heavy lifting they had to do in post of what's called dialogue cleanup. Were you guys wearing lapels no, or anything? it's Nothing. all just shotguns on top wow. of it. Yeah, which is when you're pointing it at an Interstate 40 <laughs> or a Route 66 and cars are whipping past and... You know, there's just so much noise and yeah. mud and just <laughs> just just background sound, and they just work night and day to clean it up. There were a couple of really good shots just throughout it, mm. um, where you're clearly about to say something in a fucking truck. The side, yeah, 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 just goes, but and you see, just <laughs> looking like, at the camera, oh, going, okay, we'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are we going to have another beer? I'd love one. Okay, I'll yeah, go right. do that. Cool looking cans. Yeah, cheers, cheers, man. Um. I wanted to ask about, and this is a, for people listening, this is a direct sort of thing from the, from the, uh, from the, from Bikes of Rat, mm. but Highway Joe. Yeah. I, I dare say you've never seen or heard from again, but that, that, that was a pretty serious moment for, for you guys personally, regardless of this documentary or anything. That, that was pretty heavy. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's not giving anything away. And I think for most people listening to this, maybe they've seen, uh, Bikes of Wrath in one form or another, but uh, we meet on day, I think it's just over the halfway point in the trip, and so many people have been so generous to us mm. and helped us on our way, and there's been trip-threatening injuries and yeah. just people extending themselves above and beyond. And then I guess it flips, for want of a better term. Yeah. You know, we're travelling in the in the heat of the day and we're pulling up this hill and uh, we roll alongside this guy by the name of Joe who asked me if we had any water. And, you know, you kind of when you're riding, you're just kind of focused on where you're headed and you're just trying to do some miles. And, and I kind of looked over and said, oh, yeah, no, and we pull over. And it wasn't until I got off the bike that we kind of looked at one another properly and I was like, oh, this guy doesn't look like he's doing all right. Um, excuse me. So... Next thing you know, we're all off our bikes and we're all chatting with him and it, it, it quickly reveals itself to be a death march that he's on and um, he hasn't hasn't eaten for four days, he hasn't drunk water in 24, 48 hours. It's, you know, the heat of the day out in the middle of New Mexico and he's not taken his medication for a handful of days and stuff, uh, suffers from schizophrenia and he's he's just kind of walking. And he, he doesn't really know where he's going and he's he's not necessarily convinced that where he's going is where he actually wants to get to in the first place. Yeah. And later reveals that, you know, I'm kind of ready to just walk out into the middle of the road 
Um, yep. And then that's kind of that. And so yeah. we're there. We're there with this guy, Joe. And, and you know, the makeup and breakdown of these characters that make the Bikes of Wrath is, is one exceptionally important character in that moment is Leon, who's a firefighter. And he's trained mm. in exactly what's happening. And, you know, everyone's kind of rallying together, but at the same time, you know, he's very much taking the lead and rightly so because he's yep. he knows what to do. Mm. Um, but I guess to flash forward, he doesn't want anyone to call anyone. Mm. And there's sort of not a disagreement, amongst the group but probably just a lack of communication because some of us are over here and some yep. of us are over here yep um and i i remember sitting with joe just one-on-one for a period of time and he and he and he looked at me and said promise you're not going to call anyone and i was like that you have my word and about 45 minutes later an ambulance <laughs> starts to travel up interstate 40 and he looks over and he sees and he's just like what what have you done mm. Um, and I said, I'm so sorry, I had no idea. And then obviously, and, and you know, retrospectively, it was absolutely the right decision to have made. Yeah. But I know um, the other guys were grappling with it, but they'd kind of walked away into a different kind of group formation and, yep. and a call must have been made. Yep. Um, because there was, a, there was seemingly a stalemate where yeah. you guys were, were, were quite openly and honestly with him, okay, we won't. Yes. But we need to. We need to, yeah. And he was firmly, you know. And, and that, that's where that, the strength of Leon exactly. negotiating that yeah. and, and sort of, because what I didn't realise at the time until I was in the edit room with it was I'd promised this guy that we weren't going to call anyone. And, mm. you know, he's a guy that is homeless, He's he's got mental health issues and as Charlie points out in, in the film, he will fall between the cracks yet again, you know. Yeah. Here, here are we, five white Australians travelling across America and everyone's extending us a hand. Yeah. But here is this um, guy of Mexican or, uh, heritage, uh, you know, travelling, you know, aimlessly and, and, and dangerously close to the road. And yep. if he gets picked up by the ambulance and by the authorities, he's going to get thrown into a, a mental hospital and, you know, he can't afford to yeah. be doing any of these things. Yeah. And, and so all of that was kind of being discussed and... I guess it reached this point where next thing you know, there's three, four cop cars, there's yep. two ambulances. Like it's 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 a big deal and they block four of the five lanes or something yeah. and there's, there's traffic backed up for miles. Mm. And Joe gets rushed into the back of the ambulance and I'm saying sorry to him as he's being put in the back. Yep. And then right towards the end, it's sort of like, well, do I get to see him and say goodbye. I want to get his contact details. And, yeah. and the police officer is like, your journey with Joe ends here. You can't go back there. Um, and next thing you know. Do you know, think that was fair looking back? Oh, look, at the time I felt like personally that I'd sort of wronged him yeah. um, because I'd said one thing and, an, and another thing had happened. Um, and it wasn't until I watched the footage back that I saw Leon very, very clearly like get down, kneeling in front of him and saying, I'm going to go down there and get you help. Are you okay yeah, with that? Yeah. And he pauses and then he nods. Yep. And I didn't see that right, moment okay. at the time. Yeah. And I think that is his consent in that moment, but yeah, I didn't see totally. it on the road. Right. Yeah. And okay. so that changed yep. things for me. Not that anyone did anything wrong, but it was just one of those things where it's just like, there's so many things to consider. 
Um, it's all happening very quickly. Um, anyway, to, to sort of speak to that, where is he now? We were very lucky to screen The Bikes of Wrath at the opening night at the Albuquerque Film Festival, which yep. is 20 miles from where we met Joe. An opening night is a big deal, and I think there was like three, 400 people in the audience, and we did a, a Q&A on stage afterwards and yep. obviously um, asked the question of all the people in the audience, does anyone recognise Joe? Has anyone seen this man? Yeah. We're trying to get back in contact with him, yep. and to this day, unfortunately... Not at the Albuquerque Film Festival. Not, not anyone across. Like we've yeah. screened the bikes about the screen on three hundred um, theater screens in America. Wow, and that's a lot of audience members, and yeah. no one, yeah, has has reached out to us I, saying I've met Joe or I've seen Joe or Joe's doing okay. Yeah. And then the fear there, and and the truth of it, I guess, is it's a fifty fifty. I think if he's still with us, absolutely or not, and it, that's reality. Yeah, that is the reality of it, and yeah. yeah. I guess um, I guess the interesting thing from a viewpoint was um, you guys were the ones getting people um, helping you, but all of yeah. a sudden tables turned, it flips, yeah. The whole yeah. you know people with the least um, give the give the most that turned, and you guys all of a sudden were giving and and yeah. Look, it's it's it was just a really heavy moment of the of the whole oh, production, sure. which was but yeah, it was a it was an important. It's the it, to piece. me it is. I mean. Probably important for listeners out there to know that there's a feature-length version of The Bikes of Wrath, which yep. is 100 minutes long, and that's the one that's been obviously in theatres and yep. a slightly cut-down version of that was just played on the ABC. And then there is this six-part series, which is six by 50 minutes, so yep. essentially six hours of the trip. Mm. Um, but I know when I was cutting the six-part series down into feature-length, because that's how it happened, you're mm. always kind of whittling down mm. rather than kind of re-expanding. Yep. I just knew that Joe was the most important scene in the film and I knew that Joe had to, you know, um, one of your other guests, Matt, who's a close friend yeah. of mine, can speak to, you know, structure and the arc yeah. of a storyline. But, you know, at the end of the second act, we need to meet Joe, you know, in, in a three-act three structure, a classic yeah. three-act structure of a, of a feature-length film. We must meet Joe at the one-hour point. And so that was kind of how I positioned it it was yep. like i knew that if we got to joe an hour and 20 minutes in it's too late too late and, yep. I, and i knew if he was coming in too early that wouldn't work either yep. so it's like right on an hour we meet joe and in, that, in the feature length film and you feel like from look now looking at it that was spot on i think absolutely yep. yeah yeah yep. and i was listening to another podcast about um a documentary editor because everyone has their process and everyone works differently. Yep. And some people start on frame one and I usually start on frame one. But he was saying, you know, choose your most pivotal scene and put it where it needs to go. Really? Like within, within the structure. So um, if you were using that theory, that would be... Yeah, it's yep. like Joe is... Meeting Joe at one hour is exactly where it belongs. How do I mold everything else around that yep. it's not exactly how i work but i knew that we needed that to was, get to yeah. joe at one hour yeah. sure um you just spoke about some of the screenings from all around the mm. world you've e even um done a recent one up in darwin yeah um, yeah deck chair cinema what's the general overall feel like are you, are you yeah. really happy with the with the comments i know you got a lot of ticks on the blackboard in darwin <laughs> that was good the, the, yeah look that was that was amazing <laughs> i i i think we're really blown away by the response and reception that this film has had, uh, not only in Australia, but 
in particular in the States. Um, yeah. It's got a very strong following here in Australia. We, we were lucky enough to do a Sunday night primetime on the ABC recently and got emails from far and wide from all over awesome. the country. Um, we did a whole bunch of theatrical screens here in Australia from I think it was early Feb right through to the end of March and it just kept going. And my home cinema, the Nova up the road here yep. uh, on Ligon Street, we were lucky enough to sell out three sessions of 220 awesome. people i think yeah and that was a that was a life highlight because that's where i go to watch my films all the time and <laughs> all of a sudden my film's playing there and that's it, pretty cool and it's full and people are connecting with it and a, amazing response there and um and then the aster was a absolute you know yeah take to your what do you call it i don't know life highlight i guess i was yeah. gonna say take to your grave moment but that's not right at all um <laughs> opposite <laughs> Cel- a celebrated moment yeah. where it was 750 people at the Astor wow. Theatre in St Kilda. Yep. And for anyone who's been there, it's a pretty majestic... Um, did you go? Like, did you, Oh, yeah. And, and were you nervous? Um, yeah, nervous. I don't know if I could go. Nervous, but I mean, when you've been working on something for four years yeah, and it's, it's it's Melbourne premiere and uh, I mean, I reckon I knew... 300 people really yeah (laughs) i I had people coming out of the woodwork that i hadn't seen for 25 years (laughs) it was crazy and it was just such an extraordinary experience and then we did a q a afterwards on stage and um so yeah the response from people that you know through to people that you've never met before through to emails from all over the world i mean we've screened in canada a whole bunch and we've just started screening in the uk um we're pushing into france in the next two months Wow. Um, you know, it's, it's. What do you have to do? Do you have to subtitle that? Yeah, so they're well, we're lucky, <laughs> but they they we met someone who loves the film, wants to put it out, and said they would pay for the subtitles. So. <laughs> Sweet, that <laughs> we, works. We copped a nice break there. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. But I mean, three hundred screens across America, I guess, is is the really big um, win for us in terms of just audience. Yeah, yeah. What do what you? With with all the screenings or with people watching at home, like I did, what? I paid so mm. I could watch the series. Mm. What do you hope, or is there one thing? There's probably not one thing. There's probably more. But what do you hope mm. that people take away from it? Um, I think there's a few things that, that, you know, Charlie and I speak a lot to this at the Q&As that we do, but particularly around stereotypes. Yep. Um, we are travelling through a pretty heavy, heavily stereotyped part of America. Sure. From Oklahoma to California, you know, the American South, the Dust Bowl yep. um, region, the Bible Belt. Uh, these are parts of America that are red states, um, heavily red states. Yeah. And, you know, through so many of the screenings that we've done in America in the more affluent states and the blue states, they, you know, we meet people in the foyer afterwards that had said to us and have said to us, sorry, that, you know, before I watched this film, I had written off those parts of my own country. Wow. I'd just forgotten about them and given up on them. And this film shows that there's true kindness and like-mindedness and generosity in these places that I just didn't think existed. You just break that mm. down for a minute. Mm. Five guys from Australia yeah. <laughs> yeah. are opening up the eyes yeah. of Americans to other parts yeah, of their own that's country. the strangest part of it and look that's it's amazing that's, that's, man yeah that's a that's an amazing um humbling kind of thing to hear from yeah. so so many people that watch this film and then say you know particularly like families that will bring their younger kids to like 12 13 year olds and they're like they just have questions for weeks afterwards that's w- good having watched this film and 
it's you know it's it's the America that I want my kids to learn about and see, not this division that is just pumped down their throats from um, from the media. It's it's sort of like there is there is there is more out there than what people are kind of putting on your your nightly news screens and yeah, oh. and, I, and I think you know for people coming up in America and and seeing that there is a little bit more like mindedness and and care and yep. kindness out there than and look I I have to say it and it's an exceptionally important thing to say but you know we are five white guys on bikes traveling across America yep um, I know for fact that there are particular characters that we meet in the bikes of wrath that you will meet if you watch it where. You know, no matter who you are from what walk of life, they will take you in, they will help you. Um, ben, Ed and Leanne is a, a, are a yep. prime example. Yep. This incredible um, veterinarian couple from the Texas Panhandle, uh, there's a trip-threatening injury. They take us in as a group. Feed you testicles. Feed us testicles, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Feed us. Yeah. Um, what are they called? Uh, Rocky Mountain Oysters. <laughs> <laughs> is it mm. um which which uh, like a soft chicken as it yeah, turns out. Okay. But here are these people that are the pillars of their community and yeah. um you know you'll sometimes get some backlash and some Q&As from people saying, "Well, yeah, of course you experience that generosity because of who you are." And it's like, "Well, you know, Ben and Leanne are a prime example where they have I think to date brought three or four Mexican people into their home." Um, brought them up as their own children, found them work, looked after them, put the clothes on their back, you know, yep. taught them right from wrong. And I, I just don't believe for a second that if it was anyone else rolling through that town that they wouldn't have helped wouldn't. them the exact same way that they helped us. Yep. Then there's people like Buckskin Dan. Yeah, um, it would have been a different story. You know, I think it would have been a different story. Yeah. Um, but I think... The thing to speak to more than anything is this is our experience. We're yep. not saying it's everyone's experience, sure. but we we decided to take on this adventure and do this trip. That's all you and, can and, do. And, and, and all we can do is tell yep. the most honest version. Yep. And a few people um, have certainly asked in Q&As, you know, like, where was the racism? Why did you cut it out? And it's like, if it was there, if we filmed it, if we saw it, it would be in the film. We just didn't. Yep. So, you know, I guess it's uh, it's something to ponder and, make up your own mind about but sure. there is a lot of kindness in the people that you meet throughout yeah. the series and and the film totally uh what's next mm. you're a you're a busy busy man um and i know that you've got something in the pipelines yeah it's um it's it's no secret that we did the follow-up adventure yeah. um we did the follow-up adventure down the mississippi river Oh, you're smoking about this, but I'm pumped. Is, yeah. is, it, is it? Are you excited by it? Oh yeah, we're excited by it. It's um, <laughs> the, the the main issue is getting it finished in time. And okay. you know, I mean, this is a podcast to talk about all things, and and financing a film is exceptionally hard. Yeah, and it bet. doesn't necessarily mean that just because you finance the first one that you're going to be able to finance the second one, particularly when there's a bit of a due date on it. So yeah. we're we're looking at race relations in America. Through the lens of Huckleberry Finn, awesome. After building a homemade raft and traveling the entire length of the Mississippi River from the top to the bottom in ninety days, we do it on two hundred and ten dollars. It's Trump's first year of administration, and we have access to towns uh, where people are ready to talk. So it's a pretty loaded film. It's probably yep. um, a lot more pointed. Okay. Um, dare I say, some of the humor of bikes is maybe not evident in the next one because you're dealing with some um, pretty heavy subject matter yeah, and also sure. 
just the difficulty of the trip. It was absurd. It was like six weeks of just pummeling rain and sleeping underneath a tarp on a moving raft down the Mississippi River. Right. It was intense. And, um, yeah, it's a different beast. But uh, it's kind of – not to say that it's not relevant after the next election, but there's there's a chance that it sort of lo- loses its potency if it's not sort of out by May, June okay. of next year. Sure, sure. And so that's what we're grappling with yep, now. Okay. It's like how does one fund something so quickly off the back of the last so one? If anyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Dan Murphy, so, as you mentioned. Dan Murphy, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So what I suppose because um, yeah. I'm, I'm – uh, if people, I'm hopeful that people um, that haven't seen Bikes of mm. Wrath or haven't mm. heard about it grab it and look, and then the next project yeah. can, can flow on. So how yeah. how can people stay in touch to see? Oh, how the most the the most kind of comprehensive place that you can visit is uh, thebikesofwrath.com. Yep. Awesome. So there we have the ability to buy the feature film for I think it's like 10 bucks Australian yep. and then own that big juicy HD oh, yeah. 1080 copy. Um, you can stream or purchase the six-part series, Yep. Um, which I think is great value for money considering... Oh, I, I paid? Mean, yeah, you did. Yeah. Thank you kindly. <laughs> um, there's, Do you get that? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, well, that's the beauty of Vimeo. <laughs> like, it's important to show the differences between... You know, here is this distributor, or here is this uh, streaming platform. Yeah. And by the time everyone takes their slice of the pie, yeah, you know, there's ten cents left in your pocket yeah. if you're lucky. Whereas with Vimeo on demand, which is a pretty amazing service, excuse me, um, we have an account. Our series is up there. Our film's up there. Um, people from all over the world can just buy it and watch it, and ninety percent of that comes back good. to us. Well, that's which, good. you know, as the producers, as the filmmakers, as an independent group of filmmakers, that's really important so that we can yeah, that's how it should be invest into the. Well, next I'm glad one. my money went to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, well, that's awesome. So, and then, and then and then the follow up, which you say is hopefully out mm. early next year, mm. um, or there's no mid. way it'll be it'll be mid if we're lucky. Okay. Yeah. It's just, I mean. That one was 210 hours of raw footage. Um, Are you going to do the series thing again? We thought about it and I love, look, I'm super proud of uh, the Bikes of Wrath series and I I genuinely hope anyone listening who's seen the feature uh, spends that extra four hours with us Yeah, because it's, I think it's a pretty different beast and I'm not sure, have you seen the feature as well or just the series? Just the series, yeah. Yeah, so the order to do it, and this is really important, the order to do it is watch the feature first. I've fucked it right up. You've fucked it. Fuck. Because here's, here's the way your mind will work right. when you watch the feature. You'll be like, oh, but they cut out that bit and that bit and uh, that bit. Whereas if you watch the feature no and then you watch stuff. the series, you're like, oh, my God, who are all these new characters? Rookie mistake. That's cool. Um, <laughs> but it's good because you're kind of you're kind of touting the, the enjoyment of the series, totally. which is great because totally. not nearly as many people have seen the series okay. as those who have seen the feature. Yep. But I'm super proud of it. It's they are very different beasts. Okay. You know, um, one allows for more humor and just more time on the road and more yeah. of the minutiae of, you know, the day in day tire out tire changing. Yes, yes. There's a <laughs> montage in episode five. How many tires, man? Where Leon changes thirteen tires, it's and I love that sequence because it's, oh, it's, it's it's a banging song. It's heaps of fun, <laughs> and it's just kind of like this makes total sense. You can't justify that in a ninety minute feature, though. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> fair. that's fair. I just can't handle. How, and maybe it was different in real time, but how 
confidently and happily he was changing all those type. Man, I would have just I thrown that fucking thing in the bin. I think he was a bit zen. <laughs> yeah, like he'd reached some sort of <laughs> yeah, higher plane. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. um, that was 13, t- 13, 13 back tyres in one day. The same tyre just kept Ugh. going down. Mm. Yeah. Poor bastard. Hey, listen. Thank you so much yeah, for coming man. in. This Thanks has been awesome. Me. It Great. really has. Great. Um, I urge anyone, the social media yeah, so our, our our world is Facebook. So yep. if you look up Bikes of Wrath or The Bikes of Wrath on yep. Facebook, we awesome. pop up with a, a pretty solid following. And then um, the website, which is brand new and was launched the day we dropped on ABC. Awesome. When we went out um, on a Sunday night back June 30th, we dropped the brand new website. And it's, I mean, look, it's a bit more of an American thing, dare I say, than an Australian thing. But there's actually merch up on there as well. And people in America like to own the T-shirt. People in America like merch. Yeah. So there's hats, there's T-shirts, there's other, other bits and bobs. But um, in terms of the actual film and the series, yep. you can find them there. Awesome. So it's at thebikesofwrath.com. I recommend everyone get on there. Have a look. It is so much fun, so good, so interesting. It really is interesting. Cam, thank you for the beer. Thanks, man. And thanks for the chat. <laughs> this has been so much fun. I really Excellent. appreciate I'm it. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Yeah, I have too. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Awesome, man. Cheers.